0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: And I'm Adam Vingen on Twitter at Adam Vingen. And I just got an email.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that that note. I appreciate that. Best cabs
1: for every golf enthusiast. Oh God! Don't don't read this. We're 12 seconds into the show. I don't know. It's about like CBD gel. Do uh, golfers uh, need CBD gel? Everybody needs some
0: CBD in their life right now. If, if it's a real thing. Uh, all right, rate review and subscribe to the show. Of course, go to the athletic and pay for good journalism as well. Uh, lots of great stuff over there, especially now that the deadline is just a couple of days away, which we will spend a lot of time talking about today. We're going to dive into the Calder trophy conversation with Ellie Tolvenin. Lots of goaltending stuff as UC Saros is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, I, we will have some commentary about the new Bally's television layout. We're going to discuss that a little bit later on uh, as well. Obviously, what this Preds team should do at the deadline will be the primary... Focus of our conversation as they have won ten out of twelve. However, uh, make sure you, you got some housekeeping here on the front, Adam. So let's make sure you check out all the other shows on the network. Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, is going to be on LaneStream Sports this week. Uh, so make sure you check that out every Friday. Brand new soccer show, Club and Country, out every single Tuesday with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan of Club Country USA. So please check that out. Only two weeks into that show's existence, and of course, Fringe Element for all SEC football fans. We had Josh Kendall, also of the Athletic. Uh, on that show this week so that comes out every thursday so please check that out and of course gold standard is brought to you by jaspers jaspers also could be maybe possibly the first name of adam's child we're not sure
1: it's probably not going to be
0: probably not but some people are saying it could happen some some people are saying some so people,
1: to, many people are saying,
0: yes, go to Jasper's great parking, great menu, especially for Preds games. Now that they are thoroughly entertaining to watch minus the first period on Tuesday night, great happy <laughs> hour, four to 6 p.m. Great snack special, all kinds of cool stuff on that menu. The collie poppers, the wings, uh, the sweet potato, pulled pork fries, all that's on the, the happy hour menu, four to six every day, $4 drafts and the gold standard cocktail, of course, also during Preds games. So four to six, Monday through Friday, and during Preds games, it's a great deal. You can get like two beers and like two, two plates of food for like less than 20 bucks. It's great. So go check it out. Go to Jasper's. All right, Adam, we got a lot to discuss today on the show. The Preds have won 10 out of 12. Two third period deficits they overcome on Thursday, excuse me, on Tuesday against Detroit, a hot Detroit team. We will discuss a lot about the Central Division today. Um, but this it, is there any underlying metric outside of UC Saros being badass? that we need to point to because that's what we've pointed to the last couple of weeks as to why this team is playing so well. They keep losing players. We'll get to injuries in a second, but they keep winning. They keep finding ways to win. And outside of that Dallas game on Thursday, which uh, was a four, one loss three, nothing over Chicago, critical points there, critical points this week against Detroit. What has been the reason what's the driving force?
1: Well, I still think goaltending is number one on the list. And we saw it again yesterday when you consider UC Saros's play since he returned from injury about three weeks ago, last night may have been one of her, one of his weaker games and that's saying something because it was a solid game. But one thing that I was thinking about yesterday, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately at the beginning of the season, if the predators gave up the first goal or if they trailed entering the third period, It was sort of a death sentence for this team. Um, But they have been much more uh, resilient uh, over the past few weeks, winning games where they haven't scored the first goal, uh, winning games that they trailed late. I mean, look, they got a gift last night on that power play uh, in the third period. That was such a bad call. Uh, Was it on Mark Stahl? I think it was.
0: yeah, J- like, Cal- you're talking about the Kali tripping. The penalty, penalty that
1: led to the power play goal by yeah. Mikhail Granlund. I-,
0: I just would like to-, to emphasize this point, considering we had such a ungodly controversy about one semi-bad call against the Preds that led to a guy getting fired. That was a- almost an identical call, right? Like, almost identical in, like, how it went down. He trips as he's skating into the zone. Like, it's kind of weak sauce. Even... I think even the television broadcast was like, uh, oh, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> so just I just want to point out that in hockey, these things go both ways. That's all
1: they do. And perhaps that was the makeup call to the makeup call from <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Who knows? Um, but they took advantage of it. You can only play the game that's in front of you. And that's what they did. Um, it was a big goal. Uh, by Mikhail Granlin to tie the game. They go to the shootout where Ryan Johansson pisses off yet another goaltender um, with his unplugged controller, slow-mo move that he loves to do so much. And hey, if it works, keep doing it. Um,
0: uh, is that, does that eventually lead to some somebody on a fourth line like popping you? Like, hey, don't try that crap in the shootout tonight if we get into overtime, buddy. And you get a if, little, if, little mustard if a into the chin there.
1: Gets angry, about a shootout move before a game, <laughs> then they need to get their priorities in order. Um, by the way, it's pretty obnoxious. Um, I'll take it as a fan, but it's pretty obnoxious. Speaking of obnoxious, um, I, we got a tweet uh, from a from a devoted listener who I believe goes by the Twitter handle Father Fanboy, <laughs> uh, who told us that he loves my you know my mocking voice he called it the voice and <laughs> says that there should be a segment on every show where i'd say something in the voice so if at any point that comes up let me know
0: all right do do opposing goaltender pissed off that ryan johansson doesn't do shootouts normally
1: <laughs> all right hold on i gotta think about this okay <laughs> ryan johansson <laughs> Is clearly making a mockery of the NHL rulebook when it comes to
0: shootouts. All right, that's a good start. I'll just throw those in there from from time to time throughout the course of the show. Okay, <laughs> it's annoying as hell, dude. If I'm a goaltender, I'm it just it pisses me off. But you know it's coming, and you can't stop it. And you, the just like thing you said, though, is that it.
1: Ryan Johansson isn't the best shootout performer. I looked it up before the show, and if I'm reading it correctly. Since, like, 2016, he's 5 for 18 in the shootout. Like, he's been scoring more lately, but for the longest time, he was not performing well in the shootout. So, perhaps it was because he wasn't doing this move, and now that he (laughs) is, you know, perhaps it's worth a story talking to goaltenders around the NHL about whether what they think of this move. Okay.
0: I I, I think you're onto something there. I would love to read it.
1: I found the statistic since 2016 2016 17 which was ryan's first full season with the predators he's five for 18 on uh in the shootout but four of those goals are game deciding goals as okay. well last night's wasn't a game deciding goal um or was it no don't take um, away
0: from, don't take away from the captain who had 29 no, minutes of ice time
1: Yes, he did. Don't but yes, know. Ryan Johansson, five for 18 in shootouts since 2016. So although it seems to have been working lately, and I can't say all 18 of those shootout attempts uh, had had anything to do uh, with that move, uh, clearly it wasn't working most of the time.
0: So UC Sorrow, seven and two with a 121. 121- uh, goals against average and a 96.4 save percentage since returning from injury. He has been absolutely dominant. We saw this last year when he was white hot and basically carried this team and was the reason that they were better under John Hines than, than they were under Peter LaViolette. And I, I think it's pretty much set in stone at this point, Adam. And we've had a few loose conversations about this, that UC Saros needs to be the goaltender right now. He's going to be the goaltender next season and is at the very minimum the bridge between Pekka Rinne and As- Askarov, who could be in the NHL in two or three seasons. So I-, I don't know what if there's another conversation to be had here other than maybe has your opinion changed that UC Saros can maybe be a longer term answer? in case it takes Askarov longer to get here. I, I mean, we've seen these stretches from him that it is exceptional goaltending the best that we see in the NHL. So he's also undersized and limited. And I know, I know all that stuff, but it, it, you know, I don't know if your opinion has changed of the bigger picture, long-term conversation about UC Soros at all.
1: I'm not sure it has. And you're right. We saw this exact same thing last season. Um, When UC Sorrow started, I believe it was 16 of the Predators' final 21 regular season games and and basically carried the team into the postseason. And I have some of his fancy stats up right now since March 18th. And the reason we use that date is that was the game, I believe it was against the Panthers, uh, that he returned from injury after being out for about two and a half weeks. Um, UC Soros has saved 11.91 goals above expected. So the fancy way of, uh, the, excuse me, the simple way of explaining that is over the, his past nine games, based on the shot quality that the Predators have, have surrendered to their opposition, UC Soros has saved the Predators nearly 12 extra goals. And how does that convert to wins? There are ways to do that. I'm not going to take the time to do it now. It would take too long, but you can guess just by watching hockey that right. if your goalie saves you an extra 12 goals or close to an extra 12 goals over a nine game stretch. <laughs> you're probably winning a lot more than you should be. Um, So, so, yeah.
0: okay. You said should be, does that mean this 10 out of 12 is something you're not buying? Like, are they, it's, are they just not as good five on five? Is it just purely, is it, is it just all Soros? Because we, we're going to talk about the power play being I, dramatically I don't better.
1: think it's all Soros. I don't. I do think the team has been better around him and Pekka when he's been in net two. Um, but I just, there's just something about this stretch run and it reminds me of the 2017-18 season. <laughs> and I've brought this up before. The Predators won 10 games in a row. During their President's Trophy season. And I remember even as they were winning those games, they didn't look really good doing it. It wasn't this dominating 10 game winning streak where they were blowing out every opponent. I don't have, I would have to go back and look. I know I wrote about it at the time for the Tennessean, but I remember just digging into the numbers and thinking to myself, this team is playing really well. Obviously they've won 10 games in a row. They're the best team in the league, but there's just something about this stretch that doesn't feel right. You know, you know, whether it was the goaltending, whether it was, you know, scoring more goals than expected, I'm not sure, but I get that sort of feeling about this stretch run too. And look, you can only win the games that are on your schedule. Yes. They beat the red wings a couple of times in this stretch they beat the Blackhawks. You know they're about to play Tampa later this week, twice actually. Uh, once on Saturday, and then once the following Tuesday, I believe. Um, so things will get tougher. They've got Carolina coming up, um, but when I look at this stretch, if you're if you're watching them play and you're skeptical about whether this team can continue this for you know the rest of the season or potentially into the playoffs, you know I share that skepticism. then then again, I'm always skeptical of everything. So take that for what it's worth.
0: So we'll get to the power play and Ellie Tolvin and and the trade deadline stuff, because I do think that I, I still think you can do both. I still think you can move some pieces that acquire future assets and compete for the playoff spot. But I think a big part of that was players like Alex Carrier contributing at a pretty high level. Now he is now out for three to five weeks and the injuries I don't want to say Shakespearean tragedy here because that's a little too dramatic, but it is sort of bizarre that as soon as somebody's back, somebody else is gone. Now if Dante Fabro gets hurt on Tuesday. We'll, are waiting for information on that. Victor Arvinsid is, is out day to day, right? Forsberg's out week to week, but should be back. I think David Poyle said after potentially the trade deadline next Monday, uh, which is April 12th. So I, I don't know what you make of the injuries playing a role in the decision making by the Preds brass. If if they had all these guys healthy, would they feel more comfortable moving some pieces for future assets and then still trying to make the playoffs? Or do you think the injuries say, tell them, hey, you know what? I don't think we can trade so-and-so. I, I don't know how the injuries factor into the decision-making.
1: Well, let's use Mikhail Granlund as an example, mostly because I wrote a story about him earlier. Um, he has been, since John Hines became coach, we've talked about this. He, he has been a much different player. You know, you can make an argument that under John Hines, Mikhail Granlund is the Predators' most trusted forward if you're simply just going by ice time per game. Um, this season and in the year and a half that John has been coached, Mikhail Granlund leads Predators forwards in ice time per game. And, and during this stretch, John Hines even said yesterday, quote, I don't think you get through this type of stretch without him and the role that he plays, the consistency level that he plays with in all situations. And we saw it again last night, scores the game-tying goal on the power play. Um, He plays, as John said, plays in all situations. And you would think that, you know, perhaps the Predators, if they're not sure about the statuses of Matt Duchesne specifically or Philip Forsberg, um, maybe you hold on to Granlund. Um, because you're not sure what what when those other players could come back. But if we take David Poyle at his word, and those players are expected to return shortly after the trade deadline, next week, Monday, by the way, the trade deadline, um, I'm just happy to know that this is the last podcast of the season <laughs> where we, we talk about trade speculation it, um, it's
0: it's it's funny like Matt Duchesne almost doesn't register anymore like it's I know that's wrong I know that's inaccurate of me they are 11 5 and 1 without him this year they are 10 and 13 with him um, we had a question you know should we throw in Luke Cunning with one from one of our listeners should we throw in Luke Cunning for somebody to take Matt Duchesne at the trade deadline? I'm like you want us to give up two top six forwards for nothing in return like that doesn't seem like a A savvy move. The problem is, is what does Mikael Grandlin staying on the roster buy you? That's what I want to know. Like, is he going to walk really,
1: I don't think it really buys you that much. But what I was saying was that if, if you know that Matt Shane is going to be back next week or in a week and a half and Philip Forsberg is going to be back in a week and a half or two weeks, that plus the fact that a player like LA Tolvanen um, has emerged, I I think Mikael Grandlin is expendable. Um, like, I don't believe that the Predators' playoff chances hinge on Mikhail Granlund. Like, I don't see a trade of Mikhail Granlund a- as the equivalent of waving a white flag. And we've seen teams in the past do this. Um, you know, I think of the St. Louis Blues, uh, the year that they traded Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets, which would, would have been 2018, because Stasny was on the Jets when they played the Predators in the playoffs. Um, the, the blues were still very much in the race. I think they had lost four consecutive games at the time. So they were heading in a different direction than the predators are now. Um, but they were still in the thick of the race and their GM, Doug Armstrong still made the choice to trade Paul Stastny. And it felt like the blues sort of giving up on the season. I, I think they missed the playoffs that year. I can't recall. They didn't um, the next year. They didn't the next year. Um, so, I don't see trading Mikhail Granlund as some sort of admission that this season is going in the wrong direction or that the ownership or management doesn't think this team could still compete for a playoff spot. I just think that when you consider the players who are coming back from injury, you know, potentially soon, you think about the young players that have stepped up in the absence of those injured players, you know, Mikhail Granlund to me is expendable. I mean, I still think, I mean, the same, the same goes for players like Nick Cousins and Eric Hala. Yep. Kyle Granland is just the most valuable of those players. And what's interesting is, you know, I was talking to somebody, a, a pro scout for another team the other day, and I asked him if Eric Stahl, who had a bad season for a bad team uh, in Buffalo, uh, was worth a third and fifth round draft pick from Montreal what should Mikhail Granlund be worth? My, my working theory was that Granlund would be worth more because Granlund has been better this season and he's played a more significant role on a, on, a, on a team that is figuring it out. And the scout told me he thinks that Granlund is in the same range value-wise as Stahl, if not slightly more valuable. And he told me that if the Predators... Were able to get a third round pick for Mikhail Grandlin they should jump through they should be jumping through hoops Wow um, so I don't think that, that's what I, I guess that's I don't, about right yeah I don't think that is a reflection on Mikhail Grandlin the player I just think it's where the market is right now so I don't think-
0: so let's go, let's go rapid fire here through some of these pieces. And then we'll get to sort of the more complicated ones, because I still think all the first year contracts should be on the table. Now, if you get rid of all of them, you know, if you find somebody that's going to take Richardson's cousins, Hala and Granlin, then it probably affects your, your ability to win a playoff series. If, if you even have, if you even have that ability, because again, the top three teams in the division have clearly separated themselves by a large margin. We'll handicap the other four teams battling for that final spot in just a second. But it sounds like Forsberg, even with a massive contract negotiation coming, Ellis with his injury and Ekholm with only one more year on his deal and needing to be protected in the expansion draft. It sounds like all of those conversations we were having are are now put to bed, right? Like, like rapid fire, for, rapid fire here. Now. They're, they're done, right? Maybe, like the I, end, maybe
1: the end of the season they move Ekholm? I think we talked about this last week. If they don't move... Matthias Eckholm within the next 5 days which again I don't think they're going to do at this point. Um I think you revisit it in the summertime. Um or Ryan Ellis. Um yeah, yeah, but yeah. still Matthias you know I still think that if given one or the other I still think Matthias Eckholm is more likely to be traded than Ryan Ellis. Do
0: do Shane and Johansson any conversations that you think David Poelle is having right now about either one of those two guys?
1: perhaps with Seattle to determine how much it's going to cost for one of them to be taken by the Kraken because, yeah, I mean, I think Pierre Lebrun, well, I don't, I don't think I know. Pierre Lebrun wrote a story last week, I think it was, or maybe a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about Seattle's role in this trade deadline. Although Seattle can't make any trades right now, you know, they can at least, you know, discuss the loose framework of trades and, you know, I have to imagine that GMs around the league, just based on what Pierre, Le- Pierre Lebrun reported, that, you know, they're calling and saying, hey, you know, this is what we're thinking with the expansion draft. This is the player that we want you to take um, or would like for you to take. You know, what would it take? And the example he used was Matthias Ekholm. He said that if the, the price for Matthias Ekholm at the trade deadline is three pieces, uh, first round pick, a top prospect and something else. And then a team that's interested in Eckholm goes to Seattle and says, okay, we're going to, we were, we were thinking about trading for Eckholm. And, um, you know, what would it take for you not to take him? And they say, well, we would need a first round pick and a top prospect. So that's five pieces, two yeah. first round picks, two top prospects and something else just to have, just basically to acquire Matthias Eckholm, which, you know, as much as I, you know, admire Matthias Eckholm and, and, and have a lot of respect for how he plays the game. I don't think he's worth five assets, Um, so I, I think maybe those conversations are being had about Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. So perhaps the predators are trying to get a sense uh, of what they might have to give up if they were willing to, you know, leave one of those guys out in the cold.
0: So, so Pekka, Arvidsson, Forsberg are now not non-discussions, correct?
1: I think right now, who are the names that are in play? For me, I think the names that the, the top three names that should be in play realistically are Mikhail Granlund, Eric Holla, and Nick Cousins. Um, Brad Richardson can't stay on the ice. Um, he's been, you know, he was on IR for like a month and then he got hurt again. Um, I'm not sure if you have seen the episode of The Simpsons Homer at the Bat, right? The one where. <laughs> yes. The one where they were all of the major league baseball players join the Springfield power plant baseball team, and then they all meet unfortunate fates. Um, <laughs> Ozzie Smith gets lost in the Springfield mystery spot, and that's where I think Lucas Spisa is right now. Um, you know, he played 10 minutes in one game two and a half months ago, and no one has seen or heard from him since. So I think he's been sucked into the Springfield mystery spot. (laughs) uh, That was
0: a, that was a lot of (laughs) analogy for a Lucas Spisa take.
1: (laughs) Well, I made a reference to mate a few weeks ago and I got, I mean, I eventually worked it to where I needed to go. So, (laughs) Um, so, you know, Lucas Spisa, you know, is somewhere on a milk, milk carton. Yeah. Um, and, And Richardson, Richardson would be involved in these conversations if he wasn't hurt all the time, yeah. or if he wasn't currently hurt. Like If Brad Richardson was healthy right now and playing, I would throw him into that mix. But for me right now, it comes down to Mikhail Granlund, Nick Cousins, and Eric Halla. Those are the three players that I think, if players were to move between now and Monday, those were the three I would say have the best chance of being traded.
0: And again, I'll, I think the beauty of this is that you can move those three Acquire a couple of assets, nothing major not not like anything. Matthias Ekholm going to get you back in return, and still make the playoffs, and still be better than Chicago, Columbus, and still be better than than Dallas. Uh, I, I still think that that's totally possible. I the question is, keeping all of those guys, does it give you a better chance to beat the one seed? That that's the question. Like, if you keep all those guys, do you think there's an outside chance that they can beat? Florida, who's in first place as we as we record this, or whoever, Carolina or Tampa. It, that, that's the real question. Mikhail like, you...
1: Granlund, Mikhail Granlund, maybe. Maybe. I think Nick Cousins and Eric Holla, you know, ha- have played a certain role. And I think relative to expectations, Cousins has been fine. I think Eric Eric Halla has been a disappointment. Um so I don't think you lose anything by losing Eric Halla and Nick Cousins. Like, I think you can plug in Rem Pitlick and I don't know, somebody else, another forward um, into their spots. And I don't think you're going to miss anything. Mikhail Granlin would be the one where I would say maybe he moves the needle slightly. I still think if he's on the team, they're still a heavy underdog against sure. Florida, Carolina, or Tampa Bay. But you can make the argument that they have a better chance with Mikhail Granlund. I, I think Eric Hall and Nick Cousins, if you lost them and replaced them with Rem Pitlick and I don't know, help me out here. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see Tomasino in that, in that group, but I don't think. Yeah. Philip
1: Tomasino. That's, I don't think you're, yeah. you know, I don't think you're missing anything. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're, I don't think fans are going to miss either of those players.
0: Speaking of Philip Tomasino, we will talk about the young players, including the Calder Trophy, Chase with Ellie Tolvanen, we'll dive into Luke Cunnan, we'll dive into the handicap the rest of the race, of course, uh, as we have maybe four teams for one spot, we'll do that, Uh, and of course, talk a little Bally's television aesthetics, if you will. So we'll do that coming up in just a second. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers 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 <laughs> if we just say the name for a minute and a half do you think they'd be happy with us i think they it's would kind
1: of like subliminal messaging right jaspers 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 jaspers, jaspers. 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 uh great happy what hour the, what was the charles manson what, what did charles manson which, which beatles album did he play backwards? I didn't know about it.
0: I guess I need to read up on my Manson. I'm, I'm I'm out of date on my Manson. Is it the white album? I don't know. Ooh, it's Helter, it,
1: it, the song Helter Skelter.
0: <laughs> Did you just look it up? Yes. That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Let's look at let's look at Wikipedia. Excuse me, Jaspers. We're looking at Wikipedia about Charles Manson here. Hold don't on.
0: mind us, Jaspers. We're going to talk with about another serial tracks, killer.
1: Another Along with other tracks from the White Album, Helter Skelter was interpreted by cult leader Charles Manson as a message predicting interracial war in the U.S. <laughs> Manson titled his vision of this uprising after the song. Yeah, it was something about like oh, Jasper's interpretation. Anyway, so if we just say Jaspers over and over again, perhaps people will just show up.
0: It puts the Jaspers in the basket. That's what it does. I can't believe you got a Manson reference into this ad. I, I, I You it's have done some amazing.
1: reference into this ad. So. You,
0: have, you have done some amazing work to get some amazing stories into our Jaspers copy. I'm telling you what, man, you are quite, you're, you're very creative is what you are. Uh, great parking lot, fantastic place to watch the game, including the Nashville Predators who are now making a playoff push, of course, who are in the playoffs. We could be watching playoff games in Nashville. And of course, you should be watching them. At Jaspers, the gold standard cocktail named after this podcast, which is an indication that we've made it, Adam, which is a whiskey drink and very, very very refreshing. Great happy hour, 4 to 6 p.m. every single day, Monday through Friday and during Preds games. So uh, when the Preds are on the ice, you get great options for food. It's an elevated menu by Deb Paquette from 4 Top Hospitality. It's basically just an awesome place to go watch the game.
1: So you should go do that. And I would like to give a shout out to our listener, Brandon Chrisman, who tweeted at jaspers uh on march 20th uh with a picture of the gold standard and he said when you're at jaspers thanks to 440 sports you got to get a gold standard right delicious thanks again so brandon thanks for drinking the drink and hopefully and uh everybody who uh who also goes and tries it send us a send us a picture
0: So I've got some in-laws that are like season ticket holders since like 98 that are like Mm -hmm. diehard Preds fans. And one of their like buddy, like his brother-in-law or whatever, you know, was at Jaspers and he sent me a picture of it and he's like, yeah, I'm drinking the gold standard at Jaspers. We love the show. And I was like, can you, can you tell Jaspers that please? Can you put that on the Mm -hmm. socials and tag Jaspers in the, so so here's what we're asking. If you take a picture at Jaspers, tag Jaspers, tag 440 sports you know, just do us a favor. That's all. Go to Jasper's and take a photo of your beautiful food and your wonderful cocktail. And then w- maybe we'll do something for, for our listeners in the off season.
1: How about that? I just, yes. I just made a
0: promise. I don't know if I can keep.
1: <laughs> well, that's what happens when you, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. No, I lost no. train of
0: When you, when you do ads live,
1: <laughs> when you do ads live, you say things you don't mean. I, I will
0: listen. I may have some stuff from Jasper's to give out in the off season. I'm not, that's not a, that, that's not a false hope there. There's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, All right, go to Jasper's, watch the Preds. They're really good right now. And the Jasper's food is really good. And the parking is really good. It's free. Go to Jasper's. All right, so let's get to the Calder Trophy conversation because a big part of why the Preds are playing better hockey is clearly the power play, which they are now average to slightly better than average in the NHL overall on the season because they started out so poorly. They were one of the worst in the league. John Hines started giving Ellie Tolvanen a lot of ice time on the power play. He's now a top line player. So sort of two conversations here. Can the power play with Ellie Tolvanen um, help this team, you know, to, to into the playoffs, maybe comp- competitive in a, in a playoff series? How good is this team with Ellie Tolvanen on the power play? And then the second conversation will be the Calder, the Calder Trophy conversation because now Nashville Predators players have to win major awards like every other season now.
1: <laughs> well... The, the power play is clearly better with Ellie Tolvanen on it, not just based on the production, but just how it looks too. It appears so much more dynamic. Um, they have a dual threat on either flank, uh, particularly when Philip Forsberg is healthy. He's on the right flank. Ellie Tolvanen's on the left flank. Um, you know, I th- this did not happen in this game against Detroit, but I think back to... Um, a game against Detroit, I believe it must have been in late February. It was a game where I think it was 2-0, maybe 2-1. Um, the, the power play goals, the two goals that the Predators scored were power play goals by Philip Forsberg and Ellie Tolvanen. And on Tolvanen's goal, Philip Forsberg you know, gets the puck, curls, curls down the right flank, looking to shoot. Three of the four Red Wings defenders on the ice immediately converge on Forsberg leaving Ellie Tolvenin wide open on the left side. Forsberg puts a pinpoint pass to Tolvanen across the slot. Tolvenin scores. Um, that's the kind of play that wasn't possible without Tolvenin on the power play. Um, so that certainly helps. And when I did a story about Ellie Tolvenin last week, just about the fact that the patience uh, that he and the Predators exhibited – uh, ha, has paid off. Um, I I asked my friends at Sport Logic um, to discuss to to share with me the impact that Ellie Tolvenin has had on the Predators' power play. And according to them, at least as of last week, the power play unit of Ellie Tolvenin, Mikhail Granlund, Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, and Ryan Johansson was the most productive power play unit in the NHL per twenty minutes. They had averaged, I think, eight eight point something goals per 20 minutes on the power play. They were the most productive power play unit in the NHL um, in a short time too. um, Because of course Tolvanen didn't get that opportunity until later in the season. Um, So as I last checked this morning, uh, the power play is tied for 15th in the NHL. It's been a while since it's been hovering around league, you know, the middle of the league um, as I promised, our dear friend, Joe Rex wrote, when the predators have a top 10 power play, I will retire my, uh, Simpsons Albert, my, my Simpsons Springfield <laughs> isotopes. Oh my God, the predators have scored a power play goal GIF, which has given me much joy over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, and it, it's not that they have to stay top 10. If the predators just get to top 10, I will retire. <laughs> it. Um,
0: well, they, they are, if you, obviously if you, uh, take out the first two months of the season. They are a top 10 power play currently as they are constructed. You just said they've got the best line in the league, but you're right. Because they were so bad early, they now have to overcome all those statistics and get to the top, um, get to the top 10. It's not out of the question. I mean, he's been so dynamic and this leads us into the Calder conversation, which to me is again, I'll let you handle the metrics on, on Ellie Tolvan and relative to the rest of the rookies. I know the counting stats aren't going to be there for him as much I know, I believe he's leading all rookies in power play points, which is impressive. 10 goals, nine assists. It puts him basically, give or take the top, you know, six or eight or 10 in almost all of those categories. But really the underlying metrics, because he's played fewer games than a lot of these guys, the underlying metrics tell an even better story for Ellie Tolbin. And I would, I would leave you, I would make it even simpler. Has there been a rookie that has made a bigger impact on his team so far this season, than Ellie Tolvanen, is there a more important rookie in the NHL right yes, now than Ellie
1: Tolvanen? There is, there might be a couple. Okay. Um, to me, I, that to me is to the me, argument. That's the, the Calder trophy as of right now, uh, deserves to go to, and I hope that I'm not butchering his name, Kareel Kaprizov from the Minnesota wild. Um, he's been phenomenal. Um, Think about Kevin Lankanen, uh, the Blackhawks goaltender that the Predators just saw last week. You know, he, he, he has, his play has diminished lately, but if not for him early in the season, the Blackhawks would not be within sniffing distance of a playoff spot. Um, there, you, you know, think of uh, another rookie that the Predators have seen recently, Jason Robertson from the Dallas Stars. You know, he scored a couple big goals against the Predators. Um this season. Um, they've been besieged by injury too. I mean, they haven't had Tyler Sagan all season. Um, I I think Jason Robertson um deserves some love. Um so I I think Tolvanen is in is in on the fringe of the conversation. Like, would I be surprised if Tolvenin finished like sixth or seventh or eighth in Calder trophy voting at this rate? I would not be surprised. But is he a finalist as of now? No, he's not. Um, if he if he continues this pace
0: and finishes the last 15 games or so at this pace I think it's hard to keep him out of the top three
1: if he continues at this pace I I would I would agree with that Um, but I the thing I'm the thing I'm getting at is that I think there are other rookies who have done it better longer this season than Ellie Tolvanen and some of that is not Tolvanen's fault. I mean, I remember he didn't make the opening night roster, um, which is a a decision that we can uh, discuss (laughs) at another point. Um, But, you know, I look at Kaprizov, who's been great for the wild. And look, it's been harder too, because you're not seeing this. You're seeing the same teams and players over and over again. I mean, the professional hockey writers association actually sent out an email yesterday That for this season only, they are streamlining the voting process. So typically, we have a block of maybe like 150, 160 um, reporters and broadcasters from throughout the league um, who vote on the awards. But this year, because of the divisional alignment and such, uh, they're limiting it to 100 um, with 20 Voters in each division and then 20, quote unquote, at large voters. Um, and part of the reason for that is because we, we've seen these same teams over and over again. Like I've, I've, I've seen highlights of Kirill Kaprizov and he's been really good but I haven't sat down and watched that many Minnesota wild games. This yeah. Year. You gotta,
0: you gotta go out of your way to watch teams outside of the central division. It's really, it's really fascinating. Like I, I feel totally out of the loop on almost all those other teams, but I know a ton about the Florida Panthers.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> Whoever thought you would need to know about the Florida Panthers. And after this, season, you may not need to know anything about the Florida Panthers because they won't be in the predators division or conference anymore. Um, so, all I, right. So, I- so
0: finalists should be the hope for Preds fans. Recognition and an understanding that they've got a star in their hands, but probably not going to win the award.
1: Correct. I think if, okay. if Tolinen could fit, get into the top three and be in consideration for the award, I think that is probably his ceiling in that regard this season. I do not think he is going to win the award. Um and and look, and some of that might some of like some of the things I just explained about the the way that we're voting this year might might work against him just because. A lot of people haven't seen Tolvin and the amount that we've seen him, obviously, and other, other, um, one thing I will be very interested in when this voting comes out, because we, we do have transparency in our voting. So once the awards were announced, we unveil the ballots of every reporter and broadcaster who participated, it will be interesting to see how the divisional alignment plays into the voting. Like, will the 20 reporters in the central division tend to favor central division players just because that's what they've been watching all year? You know, I'll be very interested to see the geographical or slash divisional breakdown of the voting once it comes, once it becomes public.
0: Well, and I know you mentioned Lincoln, and, but I, I think you could argue he's he's the most influential rookie in the division, at least. I, yeah, I think, I think so. I think that's fair. Um, all right, so it, it, to, uh, I'll quickly mention Tomasino. Do you expect to see him? What do you expect to see of him? And what what can Preds fans expect for the final you know 15 games here with 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 a guy that clearly could add value to them, especially if they move on from Mikhail Grandland and maybe they get another <laughs> at this rate I'm, sh- I'm assuming more injuries are going to happen
1: <laughs> so it's a it's a safe bet at this point I mean Luke Cunningham and Dante Fabro didn't finish the game last night so and and Luke
0: Cunningham has been outstanding he he was injured came back he's had six points in six games two goals um four assists in that span had another good game yesterday and and he's been part he's part of the future of this of this club and we're starting to see it and yes. you and I have always said that he is part of the, like he's the oldest of the kids <laughs> like, or whatever you want to call him, because he's played in the NHL so much, but it, it just, the in, the injuries are, are, it's almost, again, it's almost comical at this point.
1: It is. And to answer your question about Thomas, you know, he has 15 points in 15 games, five goals, 10 assists for the Chicago Wolves in the American hockey league. Um, Maybe if the Predators make the playoffs, I could see Philip Tomasino joining the team. Um, that is not to say that he will play, um, but I, I could see him joining the team at the conclusion of the AHL season if the Predators make the playoffs. And the other, the other player, of course, is David Ference, who's currently undergoing the quarantine requirements to join the team. He's assigned to the taxi squad. And if Dante Fabro's out or, and Alex Carrier is still out, you know, perhaps David Ferentz gets an opportunity to make his NHL debut, uh, which would be exciting for predators fans. So I don't think we're going to see Phil Tomasino during the regular season yeah. uh, in, in the, in the NHL in the playoffs. If the predators make the playoffs, I think there is a, a, a slight chance of that.
0: So let, let's dive into the, the, the playoff race here and let's look at these teams because Detroit's actually playing pretty decent hockey right now. Chicago is fading hard. Dallas is sort of like you can't ever decide. Like it seems like they go on a little bit of a stretch. They certainly have games at hand, but then they kind of lose a couple of games. And then I, I don't know what to make of Dallas. I still think they've got m- maybe the most upside. Columbus with a huge win over Tampa, but I, I don't know what to make of them either. I, I think the Preds. Should people stay healthy, get Forsberg, Arvidsson, Duchesne back, the way their goaltending is situated? I think they are the favorite to make the playoffs out of this group. But I don't know what you make of these other three teams right now. Like, I, I just, they're all going in different directions.
1: Well, Columbus did get a, a big win against Tampa the other night, but they've been going in the wrong direction. Um, Dallas lost last night to Chicago, if, I, if I'm correct about that. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up our, uh, daily, um, playoff chances and projected standings, which are updated every evening. Um, let me scroll down. Of course, the central division is all the way at the bottom at this point, the athletic gives the predators a 46% chance of making the playoffs. So Carolina, Tampa, and Florida, all 100%. They're all making the playoffs. (laughs) Nashville is at 46. Dallas is at 27 uh, Chicago 25, Columbus 2% to make the playoffs. So, for me, so it's a three team race. It's, it's according to our stats guru, Dom Lecision, it's a three team race. Um, but the one thing that keeps Dallas in the conversation is the fact that they have these games in hand. Um, so it kind of it, uh, it actually, I like if you're a Predators fan, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here. The fact that the, that the Blackhawks beat the Stars in regulation last night was the best-case scenario. Of course, you don't want it to get to overtime because you don't want both teams to get points. Right. Um, but I think the, the fewer of those games in hand that Dallas takes advantage of, the better it is for the Predators.
0: Yeah, I guess my question, and I'm not surprised that Dallas is number two out of that list statistically based on LeCision's analysis. What I think is interesting is, do you believe that Chicago can hold on? Do you believe that they've got the staying power or do you think they just had a hot stretch to start the year like I did and that they were going to fade and come back down to earth like they have? And do you see Dallas taking advantage of those games? I, I, I agree with the statistics here that the Preds are clearly the favorite and that Dallas is the wild card to watch. Now, to your point, that means Chicago's win over Dallas is something you want as a Predators fan. But I think when you look at Who's, who am I concerned about in the last week of the season that could, that could win a couple of games and steal that playoff spot? It does feel like it's
1: Dallas. It, it feels like it's Dallas, especially if at some point in the next couple of weeks, and I don't know, I haven't checked our reporting from our Stars reporter Saad Yusuf in the past couple of days, but if Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop can somehow get back into the lineup before the season ends, like that's a big deal for them. Um, so yeah, Dallas would be the team. If I'm a Predators fan, I would be most concerned about, um, stealing that fourth spot.
0: So Chicago, not you're buying the fall from competitiveness,
1: not how they played earlier. I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I'm, I'm more inclined to think that they are what they've been lately is what they most likely are. What are if they like?
0: They're sense. like they're like three out of 11, something like that, or four out of 12, something like that. So Something it, along those lines. They're, they're not playing great hockey. So I do think this is also another reason why it's okay to move some pieces. Uh, I do think it's okay for, for them to move some pieces because I, if I'm a Predators fan and I'm starting to see how this team is playing night in and night out, the goaltending in particular, the power play is now uh, establishing itself as one of the better units in the division. I just think at this point, I, I feel... I, Obviously, you're like three games away from being out of the playoffs. I get that. And you're four games away from being in the playoffs. I get that. So we still have to pedal to the metal kind of thing. I get all that. But I do feel like the Predators are clearly the favorite here. And I feel comfortable moving on some pieces to gain future assets and still making the playoffs. That's why I feel like the strategy is sound, because they still feel like the best team out of this group. They're clearly playing the best hockey right now. I do think Dallas is more talented when they are fully healthy. But for how many games is that going to be?
1: Yeah, that's 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 a good question. It's, you know, when I think of what, the, like we talked about before, I think the Predators should, I should don't, I do not think they should stray from what they've been doing um, or what they might've been doing, um, which is still selling assets. Now, it doesn't need to be a liquidation sale, as I've been calling it, but some light redecorating is still <laughs> what I think they should do because you're right. I don't think trading a player like Mikhail Grayland or Aracola or Nick cousins is going to significantly dampen the predators chances of making the playoffs. All
0: right. So I- any other thoughts on, on the race, you know, a couple days before the trade deadline, final, final parting shots on these three teams or the schedule coming up again, Detroit, Tampa, Dallas before the deadline. And then they play Tampa again on Tuesday. So anything else you want to add to that conversation?
1: I don't think so. I think, well, I don't think anything that's going to happen in the next three games, barring either three consecutive regulation losses or more significant injuries is going to change the predators approach to the trade deadline. I think they have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do at this point. Yeah,
0: I I tend to agree. Um, All right. Any other hockey stuff you want to discuss? Maybe, maybe power rankings. The, the illustrious power rankings? I don't I'm for really...
1: Power rankings. All right, go ahead. Because I want to talk about right.
0: ba- I want to talk ballet. So
1: okay. I'm gonna go with Florida number one. They're at the top of the division. So I'll give them the credit for that. I'm gonna go Carolina two. Here's where it gets spicy. Nashville three. What? Tampa four.
0: They are not a better team than Tampa.
1: Tampa's lost two in a row and five of ten. Nashville's Eight of 10, 10 of 12. That's
0: my spicy take this week. You're, you are just being, that is a, that that is trolling. That's what that
1: is. Florida, Carolina, Nashville, Tampa, Stop Chicago, that. Dallas, Columbus, Detroit. I still don't want to face Tampa in the playoffs, so. I wouldn't either. <laughs> But they've been struggling. There's look, they've been struggling, and they're still 26, 11 and two.
0: Yeah, those three so, teams are basically even.
1: You know. Yes, but I have to give the Predators credit for being ten of twelve.
0: All right. I mean, I right. That's why they're now fourth in the in the power rankings.
1: I know, but I'm 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 throwing Predators fans of bones for the next right. time and say I hate their favorite team, <laughs> which is right. inevitable. I'm thinking right. hates the
0: Predators so much. I should have asked you to do more of those voices. I didn't. That's okay. I, I, try, try. Uh, you know, what do you what What do you mean, Ellie Tolvanen is not a Calder Trophy finalist?
1: What do you mean, Ellie Tolvanen isn't in the Calder Trophy conversation? Without Ellie Tolvanen, the Predators' power play would still be the worst in the league. It's not. It's not far off.
0: No. And and I I, I ask this every time. You have eighty six that using it with the wife uh, during pregnancy, correct?
1: Well, it's safer to use it in the second trimester because she's not as (laughs) as much discomfort as she was the first trimester. So,
0: yes, I trust me. I totally understand that. All right. Aesthetics are a big part of sports, uniforms, jerseys, sweaters. People get fired up and pissed off for greatness when it comes to uniforms. But I think TV broadcasts are the same. I think people lose their minds over TV broadcasts. And of course, they made the big switch from Fox Sports, Tennessee, South, Network.com to Bally's and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I have a few things I would I would add about them. I, I do think that they desperately needed the, the old Fox Sports clip art desperately needed an upgrade uh, from a graphics package standpoint. Visually, they needed to do that. The new Bally's graphics are an upgrade. I still think they're they could still use some work. I still don't think they're as good as some other networks out there, but. It's clearly an upgrade, so I think that's a positive. Get the damn scoreboard off the bottom of the screen, though. I don't need to see all of the scrolling games of all the other teams that are playing. I've got that on my phone. I've got that on my computer. I already kind of, once you know a score, you don't need to see it again. It just it fills up the bottom of the screen. I'm not sure I love it on the bottom there all the way across. I do like that it's been upgraded and that the package is enhanced and looks more modernized, but I know, I don't know if I love where it's been located, and the shootout counter is kind of weird, too, so...
1: I think, first of all, isn't Bally a chain of gyms? <laughs> it, it used to be. It's a sport, It's a. It's a. It's sports book. Sports gambling. Wait. So how does a company go from gyms to sports betting? It's a
0: different. It's a different company.
1: It's a different Bally's. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, you really didn't know? Like no. Yeah, it's a. It's a sports book. I remember there used to be like a Bally Total Fitness by my house yes. growing up. Yes, there,
0: there That's was. That's what I thought it
1: was. In I thought 1997. It was. Well, I don't know. I thought... Th- see, the fact that it's confusing to me means it's probably confusing to other people too. They should well, probably figure that out.
0: What's What's hilarious is, like I don't think I've ever seen... And Maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a, a parent company and then an entire sports network decide that their two brands are not worth putting on the name of the network. Like, I know everybody's trying to find new revenue streams, and that's why they've sold the name of the network to Bally's. But Sinclair Broadcasting is (laughs) so toxic, and Fox Sports is sort of so irrelevant that they just sort of, like, could get rid of both of them and just replace it with... I, I can't remember a name of a network being sold. Like, names of shows, names of fields, names of all different kinds of things, jerseys, everything. But I have never heard of a network truly just being the name being changed. Cause normally you want your own network's name to be on the network. <laughs> right. <laughs> like and you, you can't even name your own network after yourself. That, that seems like a, maybe there's something, maybe there's some, there's some more to that.
1: But I think I agree with you. I think like the, the graphics look better in terms of the score bug and things of that nature. The, the score bug being on the bottom of the screen for a hockey game uh, is not it doesn't look right, and it sort of and, and, and many people mentioned to me that it, you have this. There's the score bug, and then underneath the score bug and the scroll and then the you know the scroll is like this gray bar, like this random just like gray bar. Like if you eliminate the gray bar and you push the score bug down, you don't cover up as much of the ice surface. So maybe that's a quick fix. I I, like would, the ho- idea- I would hope that you're not covering up any of the ice surface. But that no, I mean I don't. I think it should be moved to the top of the screen like and, and cut I,
0: in, and cut in half if not even further.
1: I think the way that NBC has it, like the placement that NBC Sports has it is fine. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, being on the bottom of the screen when I first cuz the first time I actually watched it was not it was it was I think uh the Avalanche were playing the Coyotes the night before the Predators relaunched as Bally. So so it was the first broadcast I had seen of Bally um, it was Arizona's feed Cause they're, they're also, they used to also be Fox sports. And I looked at it. I was like, wow, that's really different. And like, there's like, and there was like, yeah. there's something, there's something odd about this. And then it finally hit me that the score, the score bug was at the bottom of the screen.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like the, the, the other part of it. Um, again, I think when they pull up a full screen graphic and you're seeing like UC Saros last 10 games or whatever, it looks way better than it used to look. Like everything is is been enhanced. Everything has been enhanced from a from a quality standpoint, and that that is a good thing. Um, uh, But I'm with you. Like the extra little gray quarter of an inch there, whatever. I I don't need to know that the game is being played in Little Caesars Arena. I don't, (laughs) you know, like I don't need that kind of stuff scrolling through. I just think you cut all that out and you cut it to just even just half the screen on the bottom feels better. Because I'm with you. I don't want to see any ice covered up. So as minimal as possible is what i want but i'll so i'll say this it's an it's an improvement it's a big improvement but it but they could do better so
1: yeah that's that's about as that's about as i'm as just I blown it. away that it's not affiliated with the gym company because I, even the b i'm blown away that you didn't bee, know that even the b looks like the bally from the gym but like wasn't that wasn't, wasn't that
0: wasn't their color like a like a like a seafoam green all or right here comes google i'm pretty sure their colors were like seafoam that's why
1: the red Bally Total Fitness Holding Corporation was an American fitness club chain. (laughs) At its 2007 peak, it operated nearly 440 (laughs) facilities located in 29 U.S. states, Mexico, Canada, South Korea, China, and the Caribbean. Are are you done? No. Um, Okay, fine. But their (laughs) logo is red. Oh, it is? It's a red circle with a white B.
0: Okay, that's pretty close to... On
1: Wikipedia. So, that, pretty- so see, I'm not that dumb. Okay. I may be an idiot, but there is one thing that I'm not, and that is an idiot.
0: Yeah, I may be stupid, but I'm not dumb. There's no question about it. Uh, all right, well, that about does it for us today. We'll find out what happens at the trade deadline. I'm I'm genuinely interested to see what happens over the next couple of days. I'd like to think that they play it close to the vest, they play it shrewd, but they make a few moves to make this team better long-term while also keeping everybody intact to maybe make... A run at a playoff series this season as well. Adam, where can people follow you and read your work?
1: On the athletic.com, at on Twitter, at Adam Vingen, and not at Bally Total Fitness because nope. it doesn't exist anymore.
0: Nope. You can follow me, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall. Please follow the company at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. All the other great shows, of course, on the network as well. You've got Fringe Element. Reminder SEC show every Thursday with Aaron Dugan and myself. We've got Josh Kendall on the program this week. We've got Lamestream Sports, of which I know you listen, Adam. That coming out on Friday. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout, going to talk about covering the NFL Draft through the media and talk a little Titans with him as well. So check that out. Club and Country, our brand-new Nashville SC podcast, out every Tuesday with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan. And, of course, the 440 out every single morning. So please, rate, review, and subscribe to all of the great shows from the 440 Sports Network. And go to... Jasper's! to watch the Nashville Predators. Great happy hour, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday and during Preds games. We've got a gold standard cocktail that you can go order and enjoy while you're watching the Nashville Predators collect points night after night after night as we race towards the end of a very short, very quick regular season in the NHL. It's, I can't believe we're only like 15 games away from the end of the year. It's, it's wild. Yes. Uh, so go to Jasper's. Uh, it's great parking, great menu, great place to watch the game. For Adam Vingen, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Tell all your friends. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.